Good morning. Have a seat if you would. Um, I'm, a, I'm really excited about the, this morning and, and the message that, that God has for us. Um, you know, we're in the middle of our series, uh, the, the summer of, of Psalms, where we're pray, disciple, serve, and, and that idea and that notion. Um, but we're kind of in the middle of the, the mini-series within that where one of our people is kind of bringing the message. And this morning, it's shared and it's going to talk to us. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Psalm 23 is uh, probably the most popular in, of all the Psalms. And it, it's, it's even gotten to the point where it's, where it's even kind of cliche. But Sharon and I were talking this morning that it's, it's that way because it's so beautiful. And, and the vision that, that I think God is leading us towards as a church through this study, through this engagement of the Psalms, is to have the character of God revealed to our hearts. And I think that the truth of the character of God is deeply revealed here in this passage. Um, Cooper, hit that, uh, that verse or that uh, quote. There's a, Diedrich Bonhoeffer says this about the Psalms. The more deeply we grow into the Psalms and the more often we pray them as our own, the more simple and rich our prayers become. And I think that these two worlds, these two ideas where the character of God is being revealed and us actually verbalizing the Psalms as a prayer begin to, to match these things up and the character of God begins to knit itself into our hearts. Um, and I think that this particular Psalm, Psalm 23, is, is beautiful because it's just like God is, is good and God is kind and God is gentle and his, his love and his nurturing nature for our souls um, just it really jumps out at you from this psalm. And um, Sharon, I'm really glad that you chose this psalm to, to talk because I feel like, like the embodiment of the, of the psalm, good and gentle and kind and loving, or like it's true of you. So um, quit laughing. Um, but... I, I really do believe that, and, I, and I, I can't wait to hear what God has given to you to share with us about this psalm. And, and I just, I pray, I've been praying this week that just the, the rich depth of Psalm 23 would explode into our hearts this morning. It's, it's beautiful because it's just all about our, our good and kind and gentle God. So, uh, Sharon, why don't you come up and, uh, and I'll pray, and then you can tell us what God has sh- shared with you this week. Thank you so much, God, for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for your servant, Sheridan, who's coming this morning to proclaim to us, Father. I pray for her voice um, to be silent and your voice to be loud as uh, as we listen to what it is that you shared with her this week, Father. I I pray that you would um, guide us as we listen, Father, that we might lay hold of your good and gentle and kind nature, Father, and that it, those, those attributes, those character traits of yours might lodge themselves deep within us, Father. And I pray that as we listen, we learn to pray your word, we learn to meditate on your word, and we learn to just engage with you and how you've revealed yourself um, to us through Psalm 23. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Share it and lead us. Um, so when Rick asked uh, me to do this, he actually asked if Joe or I wanted to do it. And I like 
kind of felt like a fraud. And I was just talking to uh, my friend Megan about this this week because she was asked to do it as well. Because like, I, I don't have my like top ten psalms. I was just like, my gut was just wrenching over which one I would choose. And so I, I kind of felt like a fraud, but I am learning through different Bible studies and discipleship that um, it's really important to read your Bible. And, um, and it's, it's just been sweet the way that, as God says in Scripture, to read his word and just the transformation that's happened with that. And so um, uh, through this Bible study we're going through with Jen Wilkins, she talks about how um, your heart cannot love what your mind does not know. And so through that, she is just encouraged to not read a study Bible, but just to read scripture over and over and over again, just to allow God to reveal to you each time you read something new. Um, and so really, I'm just going to share all the different things that God has revealed to me. In the midst of also, um, I found this really great, which I so encourage you to look up later. Um, Philip Keller, he wrote The Shepherd's view of Psalm 23, and it's incredible. It's incredible. So both of those will kind of be pieced together. My random ramblings that I'm sure that the Lord will pierce through, um, plus this information from from Philip Culler. Um, and so I came across this psalm through uh, Paul David Tripp has a New Morning Mercies daily devotion, which is really great. And it referenced uh, part of Psalm 23, and so I decided to reread it in its full, in its entirety. And after reading it, it was like, this is not only my whole life, but especially the last year that our family has been through. Um, so Psalm 23 says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I read this as, okay, I shall not want. Why? And then all the list, the reasons behind it. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Oh, I'm sorry, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's just the easiest verse to just constantly press into your heart. Um, And I found myself, so in reading scripture over and over, it was this verse that uh, I was listening to something else, which I'm going to reference at the end. And as I was listening to it, my heart, like, immediately my head, it just said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I had this aha moment of like, oh my gosh, this is why you read scripture. So, like, you can... You can say it out loud in moments like these. I've really arrived. Um, so that's the importance of scripture. In moments like those, and in, in hard moments, good moments, whatever, to then take the scripture and to um, repeat them to your heart in those situations. So when I thought about wanting, I kind of thought through, well, what do I struggle with wanting? Because truly, like, I don't, I, we don't have enough money for me to really want, like, material things, I guess. Um, but I found myself really wanting different situations in life, um, wanting easier family situations or family relationships, and wanting, um, which I guess this is material, but wanting student loans paid off so that we just don't have those to deal with anymore. Um, And through Joe losing his job um, or it being eliminated and us being without income for a very long time, um, 
made me realize my unhealthy relationship with money and that I don't want it to spend. I love giving it to anyone and everyone, but I also love to have it to keep for safety. And that's not trusting in the Lord. Um, and why would I even want that? Because you can't take it with you, right? That's silly. Um, so then, um, and I realized that my wants seemed to come to me, again, more in life situations. Um, one big one is wanting my kid to nap. Um, but in the end, these wants create expectations, which then just leave me frustrated, right? We're putting all these, situ- these expectations and wants on things that will never fulfill you or satisfy you. And so in the end, these wants um, that I think will make things easier, make things better for me, actually make them worse and make me more miserable because they're turning my focus off of the Lord. Um, so then down in verse 2 and 3, I thought through... Um, how he makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So initially when I read this, you just think of you're in this peaceful meadow. And before kids and when, you know, life was just easy breezy, I loved going to a park and just putting a blanket under a tree and sometimes taking a nap because I could. Um, but that does not happen at all anymore. Um, so for me, when I originally read through this, I was like, oh, this is just a beautiful picture of, of laying down in green grass and peaceful waters that you're beside, and the world is just so good and beautiful. Um, however, though, um, as being an ex-economics uh, teacher, I then turned this to the basic economics of wants versus needs and realized that for a sheep... Well, any person, the basic needs are food, water, shelter, and clothing. Yes, clothing. So I was thinking through, well, for a sheep, the Lord is providing food. You're in green pastures, providing water. Shelter is more spiritual. It's kind of a stretch of he restores my soul. But then also clothing, the wolves have, not the wolves, the sheep have their wool on them. They are clothed. And so um, took it more of a, a literal or a practical way of like we have these basic needs that they're all that we need to survive and God provides them for us um, but then I so referencing this Philip Keller um, article so he says that it is almost impossible for a sheep to lie down because they are just anxious creatures right they have a lot of things going Um, wrong for them and so it's almost impossible for sheep to lie down unless four conditions are met one they are free from all fear two they are free from friction with other sheep in the flock three they are free from torment from flies and pests which the toil that they experience from flies is disgusting and terrible which i will share later Um, and also number four free from hunger so in order for a sheep to feel like they can truly rest and lay down, it's something very unheard from for them. But in order for that to happen, all these conditions need to be met. And for us, I feel like we just can't really relax because we're constantly tense. We feel like we're being attacked. We just, can't, we just cannot rest in the Lord. And a lot of times I feel like, well, once these things happen, then I can feel like I can really rest in the Lord, right? Um, which then, again, leads to those expectations that are unmet, that we um, then leads to frustration. Um, but also thinking of, especially number two, free from friction with other sheep in the flock. I think that just as a church body as a whole, um, 
we deal with a lot of friction. Not on the surface, because we love each other, right? But I think deep inside, Satan constantly attacks us as a body to where we, we don't ourselves first rest in him, then it creates tension between us as a church. And we're not going to move forward anywhere unless deep within our hearts we, we first trust in the Lord, we can rest in him so that we can love and work together really well as a body and love and serve each other really well. Um, Keller also writes that nothing so quieted and reassured the sheep as to see me in the field. The presence of their master and owner and protector put them at ease as nothing else could do. Whenever I came into view and my presence attracted their attention, the sheep quickly forgot their foolish rivalries and stopped fighting. The shepherd's presence made all the difference in their behavior. So the key for us to truly find rest is to keep our eyes on our master, on our true shepherd. Otherwise, we're just going to be a bunch of dumb sheep in a field who fight each other and look like idiots. Um, So it's not just what else could I want other than this beautiful landscape that the Lord has provided for me. Um, Because, again, it goes so much deeper than that. Um, So in order for there to be green pastures in the field... For a sheep to graze upon or rest in, there is a great amount of work that is done by a shepherd. And um, a lot of time and toil and labor went into preparing the fields. Um, so they were results of clearing rough, rocky land, of tearing out brush and roots and stump, of deep plowing and careful soil preparation, of seeding and planting special grains and legume or irrigating with water. And um, husbanding with care the crops and forage that would feed the sheep. Green pastures are essential for the success of the sheep. And the only one who, can, who really takes care of them and does that for them is their shepherd. Um, so going to, um, when I read through about He Restores My Soul, and made me think of there's literally a doctor for every single part of your body. Somebody specializes in every single part of your body and almost every single disease that you could possibly contract. Nobody can touch your soul. Not a single doctor, no science, nothing can heal your soul. Nobody can touch it except for our Savior. Um, The only one who can heal the very core of our being is Jesus. The Lord is our shepherd. What else should we want? Um, so then I looked up righteous what does it mean to be righteous so someone acting righteous is acting in accord with divine or moral law they are free from guilt or sin so the Lord allows us to watch to walk in righteousness for his name's sake and Philip Keller says if left to themselves, sheep will follow the same trails until they become ruts, they graze the same hills until they turn to desert waste, they pollute their own ground until it's corrupt with disease and parasites. We are not meant to stay in the same place. We are constantly moving forward. And as a church, things have been happening, but we are constantly moving forward. And so we need to move forward together, not looking at, to each other, not looking to Rick as our shepherd, not looking to each other as our savior, but looking to Jesus. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to stand in the same ground and just destroy each other.
Um, so when we abide and walk in him in truth, then he leads us into paths of righteousness, not for ourselves, but to bring him glory. Um, our, glory our goal should be that the desires of our hearts would transform and align with the desires of God's hearts. I know in scripture it says that the Lord will give you the desires of your hearts, but not the desires that you have all these worldly things happen for you. It happens when your heart aligns with the desires of God heart, God's heart. Um, and this is sanctification. And how amazing it is that God wants us to be a part of that. Um, so verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So a valley is a very low point or condition. And if we think of David. Okay, so David was the author here. David did some very bad things, and he was at a very low point in his life. But he still, he wrote these things about God. Oh, and I'm so sorry, I meant to mention this. So David was a shepherd right before he became king. So David knows all of this terminology really well. Therefore, he truly knows the heart of God when he uses the symbolism to describe, to describe our Savior. Um, so regardless of how great or how poorly life is going right now, know that honestly in all of eternity you are in your lowest point and it will only be better from here. Um, and then the rod and the staff are used to redirect sheep when drifting off and to fight off pre predators to keep them safe. So the rod was used more for discipline and the staff is used more for direction and guidance. So without discipline and guidance um, we lead ourselves to our own self-destruction and um, whether we want to accept that or not, we know that, think back to your rebellious teenage years, you thought you could do whatever you want without discipline, but you hopefully quickly realized that that was uh, very ignorant thinking. Um, so with sheep, I found this very interesting. A sheep has more power when their head is down to the ground. They're more able to escape. Um, so when their heads are down towards the ground, they have a lot more power, so they can escape more quickly. So the hook on the staff, yes, is used to hook right under the neck and chin to lift the sheep's head so that they can redirect back to their herd. So the more we keep our head down, the quickly we're going to separate from each other and we're going to separate from our Savior. Um, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So when I think of preparing a table... I was looking through this, and I just constantly thought of um, Jesus and the disciples and preparing a table, um, or I thought of <laughs> preparing it, um, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I just thought of, like, it's smacking them in the face of, I get to see, sit and eat this great meal with God. And uh, Anyways, but table is actually a word for a geological formation or a mesa, a tableland, a large flat area with steep sides to the lower ground level. So the shepherd must prepare this table, if you will, for its sheep before it can actually go and graze and eat. Um, and in this grass, for the um, sheep to graze it, there is poisonous weeds that must be plucked out, and salt and minerals are spread in strategic spots for the benefit of the sheep. So in, pre in preparation of the table, in the presence of enemies, if you will, so for the sheep, it's clearing out all of... The things that will destroy um, a sheep. So God is constantly preparing a place for us to come to eat, to be filled in the presence of, of our enemies, in the presence of things who want to destroy us. Um, and then the oil, um, as I read through, is just making me thinking through of 
how um, in the Bible when they talk about oil, you think of the woman who um, washed Jesus' feet with her hair and poured the oil on his feet. I think it was his feet. And um, how that was a huge sacrifice because of how expensive oil was. But here, um, so oil is actually a protection for sheep from disease in the summertime that comes from flies and, and insects. So flies like to attack, which if any of you have been to a farm or you've seen farm animals, you know that they're attacked by flies. So flies like to get into the eyes and the nose of sheep, plant eggs, I'm so sorry, and go into their brain. And so sheep, to get relief from this, they would sometimes, they would bash their head up against the wall to get relief to where they would actually kill themselves. And so this oil was a protection over their head from this disease, and it actually helped to also relieve um, any scabs that they would get to relieve them of those blemishes. Um, so this was to ease the comfort, discomfort in their, or, I'm so sorry. So the oil was to protect them from all the things that are wanting to attack them and to kill them. Um, so with my cup overflows, I feel like that's a very common theme in scripture, if you will, but um, here, God doesn't just provide for our needs. He, he provides for them abundantly. Our cup overflows, not just literally with water or food or whatnot, but spiritually our cup overflows. Um, his grace is unlimited. It is not rationed among his flock. It completely overflows for everybody. Um, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for, forever. So if we truly follow the path of the Lord, um, then what we leave behind will be beautiful. Again, if you're a sheep that's not being obedient to your shepherd, we've talked about you're going to completely obliterate the grass, and so those who come after you, they're going to have nothing to graze upon. They're going to have, um, they're not going to benefit from what you've left behind, if you will. So when we follow the path of the Lord, um, when we truly focus on him, then those who follow us are those, not us, I'm so sorry, then what comes behind us um, should allow people to encounter Christ, right? Whatever we do, if we're focused on him, not on ourselves, or not on really other people around us, and what they're doing or what they're not doing, if we're focusing on him, then it should be a result of others following him as well. Um, and it's totally by God's grace that we know and love the Lord, and it's totally God that would reveal himself to others who do not know the Lord. So it's not our job. We are not responsible for their salvation, if you will. However, do not be the people who make people not want to follow God in the first place. Um, don't add a selfishness and foolishness. Leave a mess behind you for others to have to walk through. And for those who love and accept Jesus as their Savior, will not lose their salvation, but we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We shall abide in him and he in us, and then we forever have shelter, which is, <laughs> I don't know, what else could you want, right? So again, the work of a, of a shepherd is never ending. Um, many would say that it was a job that nobody wanted because it's a lot of work, right? And I, I tend to be very lazy. I know I'm lazy. I'm sure there's millions of sheep out there who are so glad that I'm not a shepherd. And I'm sure they could say the same about a lot of you as well. Uh, no offense. Um, but it takes the incredible servant heart, an incredible servant heart to be a shepherd because there's, there's truly no break, 
right? You're constantly caring for the sheep, and not just one sheep, you have multiple sheep that you're taking care of. And some were very good at it, some were not very good at it. Um, so again, David knows the heart of Jesus, or knows the heart of God here because he was a shepherd. He knows all the work that goes behind being a shepherd and caring for his flock. Um, so we don't, and the comfort here is that we don't just have the shepherd who received like shepherd of the month for the last year, 10 years running to be our shepherd, right? We have a God who loves us dearly, who was like the greatest shepherd known in the world, who will protect us better than anybody else, who will guide us better than anybody else, and who will care for us and love us more than we could ever imagine. Um, we have the God of the universe who breathes life into us and loves us more than we could possibly imagine, who laid down his life for us to take care of us. So um, I want to reference, so this is what I had heard that um, made me think of the Lord as my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, so a couple of gals and I are doing a, a Bible study by Jen Wilkin on First, Second, and Third John. It's called Abide. And the week um, I'm referencing in particular is called Overcoming the World. And she talks about, um, so John wrote for 2nd, 3rd John. He also wrote the Gospel of John. And his main thing is talking about um, how he knows the truth of Jesus as, who came as a human. He knows because he has seen it. He has heard it. He has touched all that has happened. Um, and so, um, oh, so he, he shares all of these things so that others may know and may abide in God and know that he truly is our Savior, that he didn't just come as a spirit, but he came fully as man. So in John 19, John speaks about the crucifixion of Jesus and how the guards went up and pierced his side, and from his side, um, to prove that he had died, from his side came blood and water, which was a sign of cardiac arrest to show that he truly died. He was human that truly died. So blood for justification and atonement, and water for sanctification and purification. Um, then referencing back to creation. So God, in the beginning, he had created Adam. And he had seen that it is not good for man to be alone. So he put Adam to sleep, and from his side, he created his bride, who is Eve. Come now to, to um, the death of Jesus. When his side was pierced, the blood and water came out. We became his bride. So, in creation, God created Adam's bride. And with the crucifixion, we become the bride of Christ. So at the crucifixion, we see the second and final Adam with his side pierced. Gosh, friends, the Lord is our shepherd. What else could we want? I love you guys. That's all I have. Let's pray. Um, God, I thank you for... Um, the heart of your of your servant to proclaim your truth to us father gotta thank you for um, the fact that you are such a good shepherd father Lord I, I pray that the 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 gentle compassion and the gentle rebuke of your scripture and the words of shared in this morning would lodge themselves into our hearts, Father, and we would sense 
your sweet and tender, gentle spirit that is good, Father. God, we trust in you and we trust in your goodness. God, as we respond this morning, I I pray that you would um, be intimate with us, Father. God, thank you for Sheridan's willingness to be vulnerable and, and intimate with you and to share that vulnerability and intimacy with us this morning, Father. And I pray, God, as we sense your presence here this morning, that we would sense that you are God and you're working and doing good things in our midst, Father, in us as a collective, but in us as individuals, Father, that you are. You are a good and and perfect God. Father, I pray that you would take our eyes and our, and our hands off of our circumstances and, and put our eyes and our attention and our, our complete gaze onto you, Father. God, I know that there are there is disease and there is sickness and there is pain that is very real among us as we gather here today, God. And I know that there is there is frustration and there is confusion about next chapters. Father, but Lord, as, as your wonderful servant Sheridan has proclaimed to us this morning, God, you are good. And you do good and you make us lie down in green pastures. You're constantly working for the betterment of our souls, Father. Lord, I pray for faith for each of us this morning that we would trust in you as our good shepherd, Father. God, silence the the busyness and the worry and the care and the anxiety and the stress. And allow us just for a moment this morning to just rest in who you are. Thank you for Jesus. God, guide us now as we respond. Interact with us. Show us your desire to be intimate with us, Father, and allow us to be vulnerable with you. You are so worthy and so good. So holy. And you've done all that's necessary to bring us into your presence. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray.